this is the More Than Right Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve Lopez. An interesting phenomenon is sweeping the world. It's called populism. Giorgia Maloney became Italy's first female prime minister and Europe's first populist of the 21st century to sweep into power. According to the BBC, quote, Mrs. Maloney is widely expected to form Italy's most right-wing government since World War II. That will alarm much of Europe, as Italy is the EU's third biggest economy, unquote. In recent days, the Netherlands elected populist Geert Wilders its prime minister. Last September, a Dutch court sentenced in absentia Pakistani cricket player Khalid Latif to 12 years in prison for offering a $23,000 bounty to anyone who kills the outspoken anti-Islamist Wilders. CNN says Wilders' electoral victory has, quote, triggered shockwaves in the Netherlands and could have reverberations across Europe and beyond. Wilders has vowed that the Netherlands will be returned to the Dutch and the asylum tsunami and migration will be curbed, unquote. Way south of America's border with Mexico, Argentines elected the brash, Trump-like Javier Millet the nation's new president. Millet is the world's first populist libertarian to be elected head of state. This, despite economic intervention by the International Monetary Fund and China to enhance the chances of Millet's establishment leftist presidential opponent, Sergio Massa. Of Millet, the Washington Post says, quote, He has proposed shutting down the central bank, dollarizing the economy, and taking a chainsaw to government spending. He pledges to cut the number of government ministries from 18 to 8 and let radical free markets rule, unquote. As of now, Argentina has an inflation rate of more than 140%, thanks to its central bank's overprinting of the Argentine peso to meet the spending needs of its bloated government. As a result, many Argentines convert their pesos into U.S. dollars and hide them from their confiscatory government. According to the BBC, Argentines are not only distrustful of government institutions, quote, they don't trust financial institutions much either, so they resort to what is locally known as the Colochon Bank, that is, stuffing their dollars under the mattress, unquote. Argentina's central bank estimates its citizens have a staggering 300 billion U.S. dollars deposited in foreign accounts in the U.S. and Switzerland. The morning after Millet's selection as president, Argentina's sovereign bonds rose in value by 6.7%, and the stock price of its soon-to-be privatized oil producer, YPF, climbed by 36%. All the above have several things in common. 1. Out-of-control inflationary government spending. 2. The unrestricted importation of migrants whose values do not comport to those of Western civilization, namely Muslims. 3. The unresponsiveness of elected government to these public concerns, if not outright hostility toward them. 
And since the aloof elites running establishment political parties no longer represent the interests of their constituents, outsiders like Italy's Maloney, the Netherlands' Gert Wilders, Argentina's Javier Millet, and yes, Donald Trump, have stepped up to champion the populist aspirations of the Western world's forgotten and disparaged populations. The media dubs these populist reformers right-wingers, fascists, and racists. That's because the media is the clearinghouse for the disastrous and unworkable policies foisted on the public by out-of-touch governing elites. The election of these populist reformers represents the utter rejection by the public of the political status quo in their nations and the absurd pronouncements of media propagandists. When Britain chose conservative Margaret Thatcher as its Prime Minister in 1979, little did Americans know it presaged Ronald Reagan's rise to the U.S. presidency the following year. The recent victories by populist candidates in Europe and South America may portend sweeping changes ahead for the United States. This explains the Democrat-weaponized Justice Department and state prosecutors' banana republic attempts to imprison mega-populist Donald Trump ahead of a likely presidential victory in 2024. The more prosecutors hound Trump, the more popular he becomes with Americans and the higher he rises in the polls. In September of 2022, under glaring lights painting Philadelphia's Independence Hall a garish blood red, President Biden condemned America's growing populist movement. Quote, MAGA forces promote authoritarian leaders, and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country, unquote. This from the man who stole the 2020 presidential election. The man who wants Congress to pass restrictions on our constitutional right to bear arms. The man whose FBI and DHS worked hand-in-hand with big tech companies to censor American free speech on social media. The man who's allowed a massive influx of millions of illegal migrant replacement voters. The man who arranged the release of five American hostages by giving $6 billion in frozen assets back to Iran, funds seized when Iran took 52 hostages in 1979. The man who holds American political prisoners for peacefully protesting the stolen 2020 election in the halls of Congress on January 6, 2021. The man whose weaponized Justice Department seeks to add former President Trump to the roster of Biden's jailed political prisoners ahead of the 2024 presidential election. It's not Republican Party lawmakers in Washington who fight against all the previously mentioned. It's Trump and his millions of populist MAGA supporters. Without MAGA, the GOP is irrelevant. Without MAGA, the GOP is dead. GOP never-Trumpers are those who kept the Republican Party in the political wilderness for most of the 20th century. They'd like to continue that trend well into the 21st. Think of these never-Trumpers every time Senator Mitch McConnell stares blankly into the cameras during one of his brain freezes. 
The Republican Party rose to prominence during the fight against totalitarian slavery. As I would not be a slave, so I would not be a master, said Abraham Lincoln. This describes my idea of democracy. Whatever differs from this, to the extent of the difference, is no democracy. MAGA is determined to make the GOP a viable, radical opposition party to radical Democratic Party authoritarianism. Who will stand up to that authoritarianism, Mitt Romney or Donald Trump? Will it be Mitch McConnell's knee-jerk Kentucky voters or the MAGA movement? As stated earlier, the mainstream media describes the populist movements arising in the Western world as extreme right-wing. But it will take extreme opposition to break the omnipresent hold of the creeping authoritarianism now overrunning once-free peoples in the name of climate change, unfettered immigration, income redistribution, and never-ending foreign wars. The post-World War II international project begun by the United States through its formation of the United Nations and the North Atlantic Treaty Organization is waning. The external threats they sought to counter have diminished, but this internationalist agenda is now morphed inward. Populists in opposition to the elitist international agenda are called domestic terrorists and threats to democracy for democratically opposing government elites at the ballot box. Here at home, the media has begun a comically idiotic disinformation campaign claiming Trump's victory in 2024 will lead to the political prosecution of his opponents, the establishment of concentration camps, and the murder of the low-rated and deeply distrusted talking heads of television news. As I said, it's idiotic. But it demonstrates the unhinged fears felt by the guardians of America's corrupt and elitist status quo. The fear that the great unwashed should declare their independence from our governing elites is as horrifying to them as it was to England's King George III. You see, the Western world's populist movements have dared to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. In short, they dare to declare their independence and rule themselves. It's a source of constant amusement to me that so many Republicans assume their party leaders want to win elections. That is naive. The GOP's establishmentarians were used to controlling the party with the help of conservative thought leaders like National Review's founder William F. Buckley, who famously advised conservatives to abandon ideological purity and support, quote, the most rightward viable candidate, unquote. In 1976, conservative voters didn't choose Ronald Reagan as their primary GOP candidate. Instead, they went for the moderate Republican incumbent, Gerald R. Ford. Ford was an unremarkable congressman from Michigan 
that President Richard Nixon appointed his vice president when Spiro Agnew resigned. You see, Vice President Agnew was linked to a criminal conspiracy that included bribery, tax fraud, and extortion. By resigning, Agnew avoided criminal charges. Following in Agnew's footsteps, Nixon himself later resigned. Ford, the unremarkable congressman who became an unremarkable vice president, rose once again to become an unremarkable president. He did so without benefit of winning one vote from one American voter. Ford was an appointed Republican creature created by a Democratic Congress. His rise from lowly congressman to vice president and then U.S. president took all of one year. The Peter Principle, which says a person rises to their level of incompetence, was never writ so large. But in 1976, actor and former GOP governor of California, Ronald Reagan, challenged the unremarkable Ford for the Republican Party nomination for president. Heading into the Republican National Convention in Kansas City, Ford had slightly more delegates than Reagan. According to the Washington Post, quote, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, was under the complete control of the Ford campaign and the tactics it used in Kansas City were ruthless, cold-blooded, and bordering on the fringe of being unethical, unquote. The Post recounted the pettiness of Ford's RNC functionaries. Quote, the RNC awarded Ford delegates hotels close to the arena. Reagan delegates were assigned to motels as far as 70 miles away across the state line in Kansas. Pro-Ford delegates, such as New York, were given prime seats toward the front. Pro-Reagan delegates, such as Texas, were stuck at the back, under a partial overhang from which Ford allies dumped trash on the Reaganites during the convention week. Unquote. The unremarkable Ford went on to win the GOP nomination for president, but went down to ignominious defeat in the general election to the Democratic peanut farmer from Plains, Georgia, Jimmy Carter. When you stop to think about it, Congressional Democrats had literally picked the unremarkable Ford for vice president, president, and their Republican presidential rival for 1976. Even more remarkable, GOP voters and convention delegates accepted the Democrats' choice over Ronald Reagan. But the peanut farmer's weakness in the face of Iran's taking U.S. embassy staff hostage, coupled with the nation's deep economic stagnation, roused Republicans from their sleep. When Reagan won the GOP presidential nomination in 1980, Ford lackeys tried convincing Reagan to pick the unremarkable Ford not as a vice presidential running mate, but as his co-president. Among the unremarkable Ford's boosters was former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, future Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan, and future Vice President Dick Cheney. Wiser heads prevailed, though, and the accidental and unremarkable President Gerald R. Ford shuffled off to retirement in Palm Springs, California. Here's the moral to this sad story. The Republican Party is never more craven, cunning, and sly 
than when it goes to DEFCON 1 in service to the unremarkable. History repeats itself. The figure at the center of today's Republican Party angst is former President Donald J. Trump. It never sat well with GOP politicians that a novice to electoral politics should have soundly defeated his seasoned Republican rivals in the GOP primaries of 2016. William F. Buckley's National Review printed an issue with the following headline on its cover, Against Trump. As the lead article noted, quote, Trump is a philosophically unmoored political opportunist who would trash the broad conservative ideological consensus within the GOP in favor of the free-floating populism with strongman overtones, unquote. What happened, you ask? to Buckley's dictum that conservatives should support the Republican candidate that's, quote, the most right word viable, unquote. That didn't seem to matter in 2016. The cover article went on to say, quote, if Trump were to become the president, the Republican nominee, or even a failed candidate with strong conservative support, what would that say about the conservatives? The movement that ground down the Soviet Union and took the shine, at least temporarily, off socialism, would have fallen in behind a huckster. The movement concerned with such permanent things as constitutional government, marriage, and the right to life would have been a clack for a Twitter feed, unquote. It's a testament to the conservative intelligentsia's lack of imagination that they never understood the power of social media both Twitter and Facebook, to overpower the omnipresence of the mainstream media. After Trump's 2016 defeat of Hillary Clinton, a study commissioned by the Columbia School of Journalism found the Trump-friendly website Breitbart proved more successful at getting Trump's populist message to voters than did the New York Times at singing Mrs. Clinton's praises. Throughout his presidency, Trump used Twitter, now called X, to speak directly to the American people without having his words distorted by the funhouse mirror of the press. Dartmouth College professor Brandon Nyan told National Public Radio, quote, The extent to which he, Trump, uses social media to attack the media directly could be relatively unprecedented. FDR was not giving fireside chats about why the New York Times was a failing institution, unquote. Franklin Roosevelt didn't need to fight the press. They were in his hip pocket throughout his unprecedented 12 years as president, during which time the American people never knew Roosevelt was wheelchair-bound. The press hid that from them. The slavish devotion of the mainstream media to Roosevelt mirrored that of Italy's sycophant scribblers for fascist dictator Benito Mussolini. Even today, the mainstream press exalts FDR as one of America's great presidents, despite his executive order 9066, which placed 120,000 innocent Japanese Americans in concentration camps for no other crime than their ethnicity. Seventy-eight years after his death, the press still covers for America's Mussolini. In 1998, Internet muckraker Matt Trudge broke the story of President Bill Clinton's extramarital affair 
with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. It later came to light that Newsweek magazine had the same story, but sat on it for a year. The legacy media's undoing began with the creation of social media. Although founded in 2006, Twitter never saw its true potential realized until Trump used it to go over the heads of his media critics. This no doubt contributed to the public's current and profound distrust of the press. Elon Musk's 2022 purchase of Twitter added to that distrust with his release of the Twitter files. The investigation into Twitter's past censorship wrongs proved it and other big tech platforms colluded with the Democratic Party, the FBI, and the press to promote the lie that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. It was they, and not the Russians, who interfered in the 2020 presidential election. The stolen election of 2020 shows the clear divide between those called rhinos, Republicans in name only, and MAGA, Make America Great Again Republicans. Rhinos insist Biden, who they voted for, won the election fair and square. This election was fair, as fair as we have seen, said South Dakota's GOP Senator Mike Rounds of the 2020 election to ABC News. We simply did not win the election as Republicans for the presidency. For his part, Mitt Romney, the losing 2012 GOP presidential candidate, said via Twitter, quote, having failed to make any plausible case of widespread fraud or conspiracy before any court of law, the president has resorted to overt pressure to state and local officials to subvert the will of the people and overturn the election. It is difficult to imagine a worse, more undemocratic action by a sitting president, unquote. The mainstream media's so-called fact-checkers help perpetuate the myth that voter fraud is virtually non-existent in America. But a Democratic Party primary for mayor in Bridgeport, Connecticut, provided evidence to the contrary. Security videos showed people working for incumbent Democratic Mayor Joe Gannam stuffing stacks of fraud-prone mail-in ballots into outdoor collection boxes. The fraud was so widespread, Superior Court Judge William Clark ordered a new election. In his ruling, Judge Clark said, quote, The volume of ballots so mishandled is such that it calls the result of the primary election into serious doubt and leaves the court unable to determine the legitimate result of the primary. The videos are shocking to the court and should be shocking to all parties, unquote. Shocking to all parties? The only people truly concerned with voter fraud is former President Trump and his MAGA supporters, robbed of their votes in 2020. Most of the GOP's hierarchy much prefer fraud than for Trump to win a second term as president. Recently, a report authored by University of Michigan computer science professor Alex Halderman was submitted as evidence in a Georgia election fraud case. The case centers on the vulnerability of election software deployed by Dominion Voting Systems. And in case you've been sleeping under a rock these past three years, Dominion is the second largest provider of electronic voting machines in the nation. According to Professor Halderman, 
Dominion software is vulnerable to computer hackers, of which he is one. Quote, Many of the cyber attacks I successfully implemented could be effectuated by malicious actors with very limited time and access to the machines, as little as mere minutes, unquote. And chief among his findings was this, quote, Attackers can alter the QR codes on printed ballots to modify voters' selections. Critically, voters have no practical way to confirm that the QR codes match their intent, but they are the only part of the ballot that the scanners count, unquote. The strange alliance between establishment-slash-conservative Republicans with Democrats, the censoring of populist views by big-tech social media companies, and the hacking of election outcomes seems geared to one end, stopping Trump and the populist movement he leads from threatening the corrupt political status quo. At an Arizona event honoring the late never-Trump Senator John McCain, President Joe Biden said, quote, The mega threat is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. It's also a threat to the character of our nation that gives our Constitution life, that binds us together as Americans in common cause, unquote. America is not defined by its corrupt bipartisan brick and mortar institutions, which spy on and censor us. Nor are independent Americans joined together in some nebulous common cause. Americans, true Americans, are free individuals who think and act independently. They never give a thought to how the swamp in Washington wants them to think or act. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson had a penetrating observation about the gulf between average Americans and Washington's bipartisan swamp. Quote, Clearly, the people who run things see the rest of us as slaves. It's crystal clear. They don't see consensus. They're not interested in the public's opinion. The overlap between the list of things that people care about in this country and the list of things that Congress and the White House actually do is none. There's no overlap at all. Go look at the last 10 Gallup polls on what Americans care about and compare those to the policy priorities of your government. They're not the same. They're not interested in what you think. It's publicly available information. They're not reading it. They don't want to, because it doesn't matter to them. They're in charge. You're not. Unquote. Bipartisan elites in Washington care now. They see the polls showing black Americans abandoning presidential usurper Joe Biden in favor of Donald Trump. They see Hispanic voters abandoning the Democratic Party in favor of the GOP. They see Trump's primary rivals nowhere close to denying him the Republican nomination for president. Republican Party leaders hate and fear Trump and MAGA because they represent a third-party movement within the GOP, a movement that's replacing unremarkable Mitch McConnell conservatism with robust MAGA populism. Speaking of unremarkable the unremarkable Republican President Gerald R. Ford once said, quote, Things are more like they are than they have ever been, unquote. MAGA seeks to change all that. 
That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. If you feel so inclined, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez.